Millville, Atlantic City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, hour two of the Sports Bash. Thank you for making it a part of your day. It's brought to you by Matt Black Kia. They want to get you approved today. Visit them on the Black Horse Spike in Egg Harbor Township. Turn us on, leave us on tonight. We got Lakers and Nuggets. Game three. Right now, we got Frank Close. Philly's mailbag. Final stretch of the season. Last week of games. Doesn't help that they're falling apart, leaking oil here. But they are getting Bryce Harper back in right field today. They do have JT Riamuto behind the plate for Aaron Nola. Disappointing, though, to lose last night with Wheeler on the mound. But we got the mailbag. A lot of questions this week for Frank. And, Frank, before we jump into all the mailbag questions here, I do want to get some thoughts on from you. If the Phillies even make the playoffs, which is an if at this point, there's a possibility that you won't see Wheeler or Nola pitch in the playoffs. Is that true? Uh, I'm sorry, say that again. If they, if they, if they make, make the, playoffs, the playoff, there is a good possibility that you wouldn't see Wheeler or Nola pitch in the playoffs because you're going to probably need them on Saturday and Sunday just to help you get to the playoffs. Yes, that's a that's a very very good point. You know, looking at the schedule, even a few weeks ago, like I guess when the month began, I was really trying to track who was going to pitch when, uh, and those two lined up to be the last two games, which. If you're trying to squeeze into a playoff spot, they're the guys you want to have on the mound to get in. But then once once you get in, that's that's kind of a problem because you have Matt Gafflin and then question mark. <laughs> so um, you know you can easily see the Phillies losing one of those quick rounds because they don't have either of their top two arms to go with, go to battle with. So I think that they that's a real possibility that if they do squeeze into the playoffs because the two of them pitched phenomenally the last two days then they might be out before either of them gets the ball. Absolutely. Right. I mean, so you have Wheeler scheduled to pitch Saturday, and Nola would pitch on Sunday, the final day of the regular season. And if you are not locked into a playoff spot, you're going to have to use Nola on that day. The playoffs would start on Tuesday, and there's no day off. So essentially, you would be going into the playoffs with Eflin Velazquez, I guess, right? At least for the first two games, if you were to win one of those two games, game three, maybe you get Wheeler back on short rest. I don't know that they would even do that, to be honest with you. I mean, given 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 Wheeler's issue with his fingernail, I, I don't think that they would start somebody on short rest, unless for some reason you know Wheeler takes the mound in that in that game and the Phillies go up fifteen to nothing really fast, and then they feel like they can you know get it out of there so they can save him. But I, I don't I don't see how how they can even try that right now, given the fact that he I don't think he's ever pitched on short rest and. Um, I don't know. That wants to be that would be the time that you try to do that. Yeah, that would be disappointing though if you didn't get to see. Aaron, for me, at least, Aaron Nola is the guy that I really want to see pitch in the postseason. But this question kind of goes perfectly with the first question of your mailbag: and is Zach Eflin a bona fide number three starter behind Nola and Wheeler? And would that give them a good chance to actually win the first game of a series if he's the one pitching? See, I look at Zach Eflin, I, I see him more as a four or five on a really good team. You know, you're thinking back to the, the Phillies past and, and really good rotations, you know, someone like Joe Blanton was somebody that would be a perfect, like, fifth starter in a really good team because, you know, he gives you some games where he's actually really good. And, you know, like Zach Eflin, he pitched that seven inning shutout 
that first game of the doubleheader on Friday. Uh, but then there's also games like like Zach Eflin had against the Marlins, where he only gives you four innings in a very crucial day, and those four innings he gave up four runs. I mean, that, that's not going to cut it, having a 9 ERA in some of your starts. Uh, so I, I think Eflin is not consistent enough to be counted on as a number three. So moving forward, I think the Phillies need to find somebody behind Nola and Wheeler that's a little bit more reliable, a little bit more consistent, and hopefully somebody who – who can come in and be what Jake Arrieta was hopefully going to be for the Phillies and be one of those solid in the rotation that, that could be your number three starter. So that, that didn't happen this year. And I think that, I think the Phillies will have to find somebody that slots ahead of Eflin going into next year for that rotation. How about this? How about someone who goes before Aaron Nola and then Nola's your two and Wheeler's your three? I think that is more like it. Uh, uh, where do you find that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm right. gonna say Garrett, Garrett, Garrett Cole already signed with the Yankees, so I don't know. I don't know how you're going to do that. Yeah. Um. Well, either way, you slice it. If the Phillies make the playoffs uh, under these, uh, you know, Eflin possibly being your number three, which means he would be your number one in the playoff situation. Because look, because the Phillies have played so poorly down the stretch. I mean, they had that nice little stretch of games, nine out of ten, but after that, they really kind of fallen apart. They had a nice little three game streak going against the Blue Jays, which put them in the spot that they're in now, uh, but because they have really had a scratch and claw their way to the finish line here, and they still haven't clinched anything, there's a good possibility you could make the playoffs and not have your top two starters pitch in that. Now, today JT Real Muto is in the lineup. He will catch in the first game, but do the Phillies have, you know, number one, let me ask you this. How confident are you that the Phillies will do everything in their power to get him back and do they have a plan B if, in fact, they say, you know what, he's asking for too much money, we're going to go in this direction? You know, I, we've talked about this a lot in the last year, and, and the more time goes on, the less likely I think it is the Phillies are going to have him back. And I, I don't think it's because they want him back, but I think ultimately they're going to hit a, they're going to hit a point where giving Real Muto the deal he's going to get is either a really bad idea or if it's a good idea, of course, they, they'll, they'll do it. But I just see I just see too many other teams out there that 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 are more desperate. Uh, you know, the New York Mets keep coming up as as somebody that that could make a big move now that they have a new billionaire owner coming into the fold, perhaps, and and trying to to make a, a big move. Um, I'm kind of at the point where I I, I think he's going to get seven years, uh, and I think he's going to eclipse the 26 million a season that that's kind of been the record for a catcher to this point. So I see. I mean, if the deal is seven and one eighty-five, do you really want to sign somebody who will be thirty-six <laughs> the last year of that deal? That that I'm not really sure. So, so I don't think it's it's. I don't think put it this way. I I think it's better to have JT Real Muto than not have him. Uh, but if you, if you don't end up with that deal, then I think here's what you need to do. If if it ends up not being a good deal, you had better make really. <laughs> real certain that you bring in people on that roster that will make your team better in other areas. Now, when you when you kind of look at everybody who's departing, Jake Arrieta's $25 million annually is going to come off the books. Then you're going to see uh, Didi Gregorius is $14 million will. I mean, although they might like to re-sign him too. 
Uh, you'll see that the the twelve million a year that Dave Robertson has been getting will come off the books. Uh, Vince Velasquez made three point six million. That's going to exit the books. So when you kind of add up all this money that's that's freeing up at the end of the year, and you look at the uh, landscape, what trades you could make. If if you don't have Real Muto, your plan B needs to be to improve at other positions, and it can't be a catcher because you just simply can't do any better at catcher. And I think that's the reality of it. So. What happens in the wake of JT Realmuto perhaps leaving needs to be judged by the greater picture. Whoever catches will not be as good, and that's very, very clear. So they really need to make sure they're spending their money wisely, making strategic trades, even if some of them are uncomfortable. You know, maybe, maybe they have to trade somebody you like, uh, but they, they need to make sure at the end of the day that the entire roster is better overall if they lose JT Romuto behind the plate, because there's no replacing JT Romuto behind the plate. I would love to get your thoughts on Matt Klintak's comments yesterday. He said, we would love to have JT, but when you make that trade, you're trading for two years of control, and you know that. So Sixto looked really good against us. He's looked good this year, but we had two very productive years with JT as well. And obviously that just doesn't sit right with me at all. You know, the thing I don't necessarily like about those comments is both years it seems like the Phillies stopped short of going above and beyond to make sure that they win. You know, this this year it was obviously the bullpen where they thought they would just, you know, plop together some, uh, I don't know, band-aids and rubber bands and, and they would have a bullpen. But, you know, the previous year it was the starting pitching. You knew you needed starters, and they just they didn't bring anybody in. You know, they went for, they went for – um, really, the scrap heap to, to find. You remember last year, Drew Smiley was somebody that came up. In fact, uh, the other guy, uh, Marcus from the Mets, right? I mean, they, they they didn't really go all out to try to to fill out the roster completely. And if you were trading for Real Muto, you're spending all that money on Harper. I'm just surprised they didn't go the last step in either season. If 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 they're believing that. You know, the price to pay for JT Romuto for two years was six of Sixto Sanchez. I mean, that's essentially what it's going to come down to. Six years of Sixto Sanchez for two years of JT Romuto. I would have liked to see them try a little bit harder for the two that they had him. Speaking of which, Matt Klenchak, if he were to be let go, any uh, candidates out there that uh, excite you? And what about Andy McPhail? Um, why is he? I mean, there was a report from the Athletics, Ken Rosenthal, that suggested that Klintak needs a deep um, run here. Now, we know he signed an extension with the COVID. The Phillies, have, by the way, this kind of got swept under the rug, that they're asking a lot of full-time employees to take buyouts uh, because of what's going on here. So uh, do you end up cutting ties with your GM when you just gave him an extension? Well, at the end of the day, this is a performance-oriented business, and if the job's not getting done, then the job's not getting done. And I, and I, and I think... I think that McPhail needs to be part of this conversation as well. You know, you've had five and a half years. You have a payroll that I just, according to Sport Track, is at 214 million, which means they exceeded the luxury tax this year, uh, and actually are going to are going to be penalized for it. You need you need more results than that. With all that time to to bring about talent, and with all that money, like the, like like, there's no reason that somebody in that position shouldn't be able to get it done with that payroll. So. And it really, it falls on uh, McPhail. It falls on Clintac too. I mean, what what I what I think should happen is somebody like Dave Dombrowski 
And, and then I've, I've seen Kevin Cooney, you know, for the show. He's mentioned that name before. Dave Dombrowski come in, fresh set of eyes, and sort of be the Pat Gillick that sort of, like, makes the last few moves. I mean, you remember when Pat Gillick came into the Phillies, you know, he kind of saw what was there, saw where the strengths were, and just found a few pieces around the edges to sort of round it out. And, and there you had your championship within just a few years of him arriving. So I think I think Dave Dombrowski would kind of be the best served to do that role um, since he's no longer with the with the Red Sox, but he built a World Series champion team there. He was with some of the really good Expos teams before things fell apart in Montreal, then the Marlins for championships, and then up in Detroit. So he's got a good track record. I would I would say someone like him should be the president and GM at the same time, take care of the baseball operations and write the ship and be ready to have somebody to, to succeed him in a couple of years. So that's that, what, what I would do. What was the reasoning McPhail was brought? Wasn't he, like, I mean, was it them, like, trying to recreate Pat Gillick, getting, like, an old baseball guy who had, you know, some success in the past, like, hey, let's just try to recreate that. I, I mean, w- what does McPhail do? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I'm actually really surprised. I remember even one game a couple of years ago, I'm, I'm there with, with, with my family just attending as a fan, and, and he just walks straight through the concourse and goes up the escalator unnoticed. <laughs> you know, And I think that was a good analogy for his his tenure as president. I mean, it, it, you know, as he said when he got hired, he said, I, "I'm not being hired for my marketing acumen." Right? So, kind of saying, "Well, I'm I'm coming to be your president with with an idea on the baseball operations." And and we did see. Um, I, I, I apologize. I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the one executive kind of took more of the financial role as sort of a vice president role. Um, but uh, you know, he he was here to be a baseball guy, and so. I think he does bear a lot of that responsibility. I mean, he went with a guy that worked for him in Baltimore and Matt Clentac. And, uh, you know, this is Clentac's first GM rodeo. And I'm sure a lot of what he's doing is is uh, under the guidance of the president. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, if he was brought in to turn things around and they're not turned around in five and a half years, I, I definitely, I definitely have to question whether or not he's he's the best fit for this organization right now. Because you know what, sometimes, sometimes the old wise one is is not is not. I'm gonna say maybe a little bit out of touch of the new ways. Or I mean, I thought Clintac was trying to was the one to try to to, to be that foil. But um, in, a, in a way too, you know, the, the hiring of Joe Girardi. I mean, that seemed to be a departure from what they were kind of building anyway. You know, they were they were trying to be the the on the edge or the cutting edge, you know, with the Gabe Kapler hire and of course that didn't really pan out for them. So um so so you gotta wonder if if there were if the Girardi hire even came from above, like the Bryce Harper signing came from above, you know, the ownership to really push this in a direction uh another direction. But but yeah, he's he he's gotta be uh responsible for some of it. Were they trying to reinvent Pat Gillick? I don't know if they were trying to reinvent Pat Gillick, but they won somebody when they hired McPhail that that had a pedigree in the game, and you know, with his work with the with the Cubs and the the Orioles, and um, growing up in the Twins organization, basically, you know, that they thought that he would be that guy. Well, um, we'll see. I mean, do you think uh, it takes a deep playoff run? Do you think they're in trouble anyway, regardless of what happens here? I mean, or uh, is it all up in the air? It's really, really hard to say. I, I... You, you know that I don't. I don't know if simply getting to the playoffs will make a difference. 
and I don't really know how deep I don't know how deep they can go. I mean, let's let's let's, let's be honest. I mean, depending on how the seeding goes, I mean, they could face the Padres or the, the Dodgers right off the bat, and I just think they'll get trounced by either team. So it, well, right it, now it's they're the eight be, seed. Right now they'd be eight. Yeah, right, right now. But I, honestly, before before worried about being a wild card, I think the Phillies' best chance is to play better than the Marlins these last few days and be the second team. Because well, if you know if you're, if you're in second place, you're in. I think that's that's going to have to be how the Phillies get in. So. Hmm. A lot of a lot will depend on you know I, the people that are breathing down their necks. Like for example, yesterday they went in uh, with the Reds and Brewers playing each other, and the Reds and Brewers were 500 teams. Well, if they're playing each other, then one of them's got to be above 500 when this is over, right? So um, it, it's going to be really tough. And the Marlins, the Marlins don't have a, an easy week. The Marlins play the Braves, and then they play the Yankees. And uh, I can see the Braves kind of taking care of business against the Marlins the rest of the series, and then the Yankees. You know, the Yankees are still fighting for their life, and I think they're better than the Marlins. So, can the Phillies do okay and hold their own against the uh, against the Nationals in these three games tomorrow, and against the Rays, uh, who who might actually be uh, set up for the playoffs by then? Um, that that will kind of tell the tale, but. But just getting in, I, I just don't know how far they're going to be in a position to go. Yeah, probably not very far, especially if they need Wheeler and Nola Saturday, Sunday, just to get in. He's Frank Close. Of course, you can check out the Phillies mailbag at 973ESPN.com. And if the Phillies make the playoffs, of course, we will continue uh, to take a look at this team. It's the final week of the regular season. Man, it came in a blink of an eye. Uh, last week of the Phillies, a little sad there, Broads? Absolutely. Come on. You know me. I need to react to something. <laughs> Frank Close, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda hotline. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, guys. Man, a blink of an eye, this thing is over. Isn't the... that crazy? 60 baseball games. I mean, two months' time, but still, 60 games, bang, done. Yeah, I'm going to miss the Phils. Really? I'm, I'm shocked to, I've to watched, hear that. I've watched more Phils this year than probably the last three years combined. Please tell me you just saw Mickey Moniak. You're going to love this. Oh, here's the replay. Let You're going to love this. Wow, Soto, Oppo, Boppo. No, no. And Moniac. No, no, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. No, no. That's real life, my friend. And this is no, incredible. He has no business being out there. None. I think you taught him how to do that. He has no business being out there. For those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, there was a ball hit to him, and he absolutely turned his body the wrong way. Back and forth he went, and then finally it hit off his glove and fell out. I have tears in my eyes. I can't, of make, laughter. can't make it up. No, you can't. That's the quote of the year. You know, the other year it was if they don't, they don't. This is you can't make it up because of the whole nail injury with the pants and Joe Girardi and Zach Wheeler. Now you got this. I mean, it's just incredible. That kid doesn't want to be out there. That's another thing. He look at his face. He doesn't want to be out there. He knows he's only happy. out. He he knows he's only out there because he was the number one overall pick in the draft, not because he's deserving to be there. He's in way over his head. Now it looks like he's very happy with what he just did. Yeah. By the way, Baldy tomorrow at 2.30, Sports Bash. There's never an off-season for the NFL. It's football at 4, every day at 4 p.m. on the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN-FM. 
I blame Girardi for putting Moniak in the lineup. That kid has no business being in a Major League Baseball game totally in over his head, and it's written all over his face. For the manager to pick up a pen and write his name in the lineup, malpractice. Here's my counter-argument. It's 2020. They're handed the lineup card. The whole point of hiring Girardi was that he wasn't going to let the boy wonder Clintech write the lineup for him. That was the, you know excuse that we gave to Kapler was that, well, he's but, not writing the lineup. Well, Girardi's not going to let Clintac write the lineup for him. That's what we wanted him to be the manager for. Did we assume that, or was that actually clarified before the signing of Joe Girardi? I think we thought, look, it's 2020. It's Joe Girardi. He's going to have some old school in him. He's going to do this. And in 2020, it's just so analytical that they're just handed the card, and they walk up, and that's who it is. That's who's on the card. No. See, look, this is why I think it is. Not this Matt Klintak drafted him number one overall. So, so he wants to make it look like this guy worked out, so he's putting him in the lineup. There's All right. It's a fireball offense. If you're telling me I drafted this kid number one and I want him to play, all right, fine. I'm going to play him in the pennant race. I'm going to put him in in the last week of the season. Are you kidding me? You're putting Mickey Moniak in the lineup in the last week of the season. You got to be kidding me. Okay, fine. You wanted to throw him a bone and call him up to the big leagues. Fine. He could sit on the bench and be a pinch runner. You don't stick him in the actual lineup. You're telling me, I mean, well, I didn't even see the freaking lineup today. What was the lineup today? I love how fired up you are. This smells like Matt Klentak to me, though. And you said it's a fireable offense. I'm going to agree with you. Here's your lineup. Right. Andrew McCutcheon, Bryce Harper. McCutcheon's DHing, by the way. Bryce Harper, Bohm, Gregorius, Real Muto, Segura, Jay Bruce, Hazley, Moniak, and Nola. Uh, Nola's pitching. All right, you got a right-handed pitcher going for them, right? Yep. I don't understand this lineup. I don't, I don't get it. Well, because Moniak's a lefty, that's why they put him in there compared to, say, yeah, Gosling. Moniak can't play. Moniak can't well, I, play. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just letting you know what numbers will tell you. Righty, lefty, they want that. You put Bruce in left. You put Boom. You're trying to find a way to get Gosling in, which is really no, your only option. I'm not option. putting Gosling in. Roman Quinn? You could put Gosselin or Kingery. One of those guys have to be in over Moniak. Have to. You can't play Mickey Moniak. Are you kidding me? I'm not agreeing with putting Moniak in. I'm just trying to figure out their philosophy, and it smells like Matt Clentech. Well, they're, they're right. They're putting, they got Moniak a lefty, Hastley a lefty, Bruce a lefty, DD a lefty, Bryce a lefty. They got all these lefties out there. Guess what? Moniak doesn't qualify as lefty versus righty doesn't work a righty can hit a righty it's not like it's like a lefty lefty matchup or i get it some tough lefties are tougher on a lefty right-handed hitters have been facing right-handed hitters their entire life you're telling me that you can't stick a right-handed hitter up there because you want to get mickey moniac some licks against a right-handed pitcher get the frick out of here that's just asinine there's guys like Jay Bruce, though, who do struggle, who can't really hit lefty-lefty that much. And when there's enough, no, when no, there's no, enough no, 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 I get that. 
Lefty, lefty, I'm saying I agree with. I don't need, if you have a lefty pitching, there's not a left-hander pitching today. You have a right-handed pitcher pitching. A right-handed batter faces a right-handed pitcher his whole life growing up. It's very normal that you're facing righties. So you're telling me that you'd rather have Mickey Boniak up there getting licks because he's left-handed against a right-handed pitcher than, say, Goslin or Kingery. Kingery stinks, though. He's on a record pace, by the way. Like, historic, historic pace of being abysmal with 100 plate okay, appearances fine. in this year. It's, okay, I'm not talking. Defensively, though, you can't have Moniak in the field, is my point. You can't have him out there, and Kingery is a superior defensive player. That I can agree with. So I mean, all of it I can agree you're with. Having a team, you're having a team that has three errors last night. You can't put that kid in the outfield. Can't do it. He's he's ill-equipped to play at this level. It's written all over his face. Come on, you can't see that he wants. He doesn't want to be out there. That's a Matt Klentak, though. You said it's a fireable offense. This is not Joe Girardi. He's not setting the lineup. So you are correct. It's a fireable offense, and it's Matt Klentak who wants to try and prove that his first overall pick worked, and he's proving that it did not work. And shame on him. Awful. Well, I'll tell you what, Gil. Let's transition to some headlines and to add. To the excitement of week three in the NFL, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. DraftKings is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when you place a bet on any team. That's $1 to win $100 when you place a bet on any team. If you're not into football, DraftKings is giving all MMA fans the same great offer for this weekend's UFC 253. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 973 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLE. By the way, I also could put Bruce in left. I would have played JT at first and caught either Marshawn or Nap, who both hit left-handed. Actually, Marshawn hit lefty or right? I thought he hit lefty. I could be wrong. No, I think you're right. I think he, I think he hits lefty. Yeah, I think he hits yeah, lefty, that, too. He, he, he had that bomb. Yeah, two for three with a three-run homer the other night. He's hitting 500 with a bomb, so I stick Moniak in the lineup. That's a good idea. I go Marshawn or Nat behind the dish, and Real Muto plays first. Bruce goes to left. That gets me the left-handed bat in the lineup, and it's not Moniak. That Moniak has no business being out there. Well, you should call Matt Klentak and let him know how you feel because he's the one making these decisions. He's the one making the decisions. Do you agree with me, though? Like, I know you're hard on Joe Girardi, but this is all Matt Klentak. Sure, okay. Then he's he's it's fireable. And if, I agree if, with you. If Girardi was pressured into it, that's almost fireable. You would tell, I would tell Klintak, listen, buddy, you ain't going to be here much longer. I'm writing my own lineup today. How's that sound? That's great and in if, theory, but and if you don't, that's and not if how you, this works. And guess what? Go to Middleton, tell him I told you so. And if Middleton wants to get rid of me, see you later, because I don't need to be around this clown show. I would love for all of this to actually happen. I'm here for it. Yeah. I support it. How about putting a hair on the sack and start telling people what's up? Hey, Clintac, take your lineup and shove it where the sun don't shine. And take Moniac with you while you're on your on, on your way out the door. What else? Unbelievable. <laughs> well, let's let's cool you down a bit for right now. We'll bring this conversation back up. Let's get into a couple headlines, though, to maybe cool it. Oh, actually, this might piss you off even more because yesterday I watched a fantastic Monday Night Football game. And Hold Josh on. Jacobs. Just one more point on that. Yeah, please. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Poor Nola, 
who turns around, and this is the clown show he has playing left field for him, and they're down one nothing because his left fielder can't make a Little League play. Go ahead. All right. Well, I'm going to piss you off more because Josh Jacobs did not help you win that fantasy football game last night. Um, the Monday night game. How about that? You have the Vegas Raiders 2-0 after taking down the Saints and Drew Brees. Yeah, Casey Joyner picked that on the show yesterday. I was pretty surprised when he said, I'm picking the Raiders to win the game in an upset. They didn't upset. They kicked the crap out of the Saints last night. Yeah, and Josh Jacobs screwed me. He didn't get in on the goal line a couple of times. You know, I was down in that game in my fantasy like 150-91. to I came flying back. And it's I have 148 points. All I need is a last touchy-boo. How many times do you see a team you know, get that big run late in the game that just buries the other team? Didn't happen. I ended up losing. Very distraught. Freaking uh, Waller, man. He had a monster night. Yeah, what a story for him. Now, how do you feel about Drew Brees and the way that he has played so far this season? Didn't look good last night. Didn't look good in the first game either. Uh, now, Michael Thomas being out, I'm sure, had a little bit. But, you know, their offense didn't look very um, exciting last night either. A lot of underneath. A lot of just whipping it out of the backfield. A lot of Kamara. You know, a lot of just underneath stuff there. And I don't know if that's Breeze. Just doesn't have the arm anymore or what. He did not look good last night. He I'm did not, not whatsoever. I'm not bailing on him yet. But Michael Thomas being out, we talk about, okay, factors into why things happen i think the saints miss michael thomas that's that's i'm not going out on the limb there <laughs> breaking news gill thinks michael thomas is good uh keeping it in the nfl the denver broncos see I-, I like that this is brought up today so they signed blake bortles right and the whole hurts carson wentz thing oh you got to start hurts there's there's some people screaming that out there and and i say if you want to be an organization that flip-flops all the time and does this and does that now granted this is injury based but that's the Denver Broncos. You don't want to be the Denver Broncos where you're putting this guy in. The next week, it's this guy, and you keep flip-flopping all over the place. You don't want to be that. This is a different scenario because it's due to injury. But Blake Bortles, what's your overall thought process with the Denver Broncos and their quarterback identity as a whole over the last handful of years? I mean, they've tried and tried and tried. They had after Jake Plummer, I mean, who was there for a decent amount of time. I don't know if you remember the Jake Plummer era at all. I don't know how old you were there. He was kind of uh, when I was in college. I mean, after Plummer left, um, they have had no stability at that position. They they drafted Paxton Lynch. That didn't work out. Um, and it's the odd part is that John Elway's the you know the guy runs the organization, and he can't find a quarterback. Look. Finding a quarterback's not easy. There's a lot of franchises who have just gone through them. The Chicago Bears, the Cleveland Browns. The, I mean, all these teams that are perpetually poor. Now, the Broncos aren't perpetually poor. Um, you know, they had that defense that won them the Super Bowl. They had Peyton Manning that year, though. You know? And you could argue that he wasn't even, you know, that great during not that Not the year they won run. the Super Bowl. He was really good the year before. Right, correct. Yeah. Now, it's just interesting, though, to see... You know, and that's when you look at the Eagles and Donovan McNabb. And, and I know the, the Eagles statistically over their years have used a backup quarterback in a lot of scenarios, but that's not really the same as flip-flopping and going in and out of certain starting quarterbacks all the time. It's a little bit different scenario right. there. but Yeah, I mean, this, the, the, um, the, the Eagles, you know, they've had some quarterback stability for the most part. I mean, they had the whole McNabb era there. And then of course uh, they had a little bit of Rocky roadness with um, Cobb and then Vic and then, you know, Foles. 
Uh, but now they've got, you know, Wentz for the last five years. I mean, it's, it's, look, there's a lot of, fran- look, look at the Miami Dolphins since M- Marino left. You know, name me a quarterback that they've had that's been, I mean, they had Chad Pennington was the best guy that you could find. Heck, the Jets, the best guy they could find was also Chad Pennington. I mean, the Jets have been searching for a quarterback since, what, uh, Boomer Esiason um, left them? I mean, these it's not easy to find your guy. Now, the frustrating part is, is because there's an influx of really good quarterbacks, young guys who have just entered the league right now, and that's where it makes it a little... Um, you know, frustrating, like, hey, our guy's struggling, and look at all these guys around the league. You know, there are a lot of pretty exciting quarterbacks around the league right now. Don't, would you agree? Absolutely. Oh, oh, absolutely. And and I wonder if this Eagles front office is now brainwashed into thinking that's the only way that works and you need to go do that because they're trying to be so innovative with the way that they think in 2020 football. Would you agree with that or well i mean yeah not? because you have this whole it's funny because i saw an article the other day that suggested the two new york teams are now losing for luck uh for for lawrence and i'm like <laughs> they both just drafted quarterbacks you know you got sam darnold and you got daniel jones so you're now hoping that your franchise drafts another quarter so you already want to say we wasted a first round pick just two years ago like what's was- what's the time frame in that you're ready to say we waste or that pick is now in my rear view mirror. I'm ready to move on from that. I like that you brought that up because I was asked a hypothetical. Let's just say someone asked me the Eagles were awful this year and they get the first overall pick. Now we understand that's obviously seems so far fetched, but let's just say it happens. And I was asked, would you draft uh, Lawrence? And the answer is obviously, yeah. I mean, how could you pass up on that, right? Would you, if the Eagles ended up with the first overall pick this year, would you, would you draft them? I think I would. I mean, if you ended up with the first pick, it's why because you were the terrible, right? That means that right. your quarterback was terrible. I would have to agree, but like either you, you, either your quarterback if Carson would... Wentz was in year one, though. Does that change the scenario? We're in year five, right? If you stink and you draft Carson Wentz first overall, and then the next year you stinked again because he had some rookie struggles, do you go right back to a quarterback? Well, I mean, that's what the Giants and the Jets are now in that situation. Like, let's say the Giants get the number one overall pick this year. You just took Daniel Jones last year. Are you going to now take Lawrence this year and say, oh, we missed on Jones. We were wrong about Jones. I say yes because it's Trevor Lawrence. Now, if it's another year, I would say no. Like, I don't know if I would do that for some of the other quarterbacks. Would you have done it? But okay, what if Kyler Murray was the guy? Well, now I know how good that right, is that's shaping up to but be. That's but my point at is, the time... But that's my point is you never no. know what that guy's going to be. So if you're horrible because that guy made you horrible, do you say, look, we're two years, we gave him a shot, he wasn't the right guy, Kyler Murray? He, that's the problem, that you're constantly like taking what's behind door number two. Yeah, no, it's a great point. At the time, I would probably say no to Kyler Murray. Now I see him, and I would love Kyler Murray to be the quarterback of my football team. Sure you would. He's probably the MVP of the league right now. Oh, ballsy. Ballsy statement. I think uh, I wouldn't be the only person that has that. No, I know, I know. He's actually playing really well. It's not like I'm going out in a limb by saying, you know what, that Kyler (laughs) Murray's been the MVP of the league so far. Yeah. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this. Notre Dame football versus Wake Forest. It has been postponed because of some positive tests. 
And, um, you know, we haven't really heard that going on too much with professional sports. Now you have college in play. Do they have the same access? Maybe Josh has more information on the testing stuff because he's very active with that. I don't know how much and how often all of these college football programs are able to get tested like these NFL teams do. Um, I don't know what the – is each individual college different? Each conference you is different. Saw the speed and rapid pace oh, I know. that he oh, slid I know. over here. So each conference has a different set of rules. So, But the, the basics is that everyone has to be tested daily. And then if they clear X number of tests before game day, they're allowed to go. And if there's an inconclusive test or if they've been around anybody that is tested positive, then... They get quarantined for a certain number of days. Now, each conference is a different number of quarantine. Big 10, it's 21 days. Big 12, 14 days. I think ACC is 10 days. But the point is, is that each conference has a slightly different set of rules. But the idea is that they're testing these guys as frequently as possible. That's part of the reason why the rapid testing is a big deal. Because the Big 10 wants to have those tests back faster than the previous tests are using, for example, in the NBA bubble. I like Kevin Kincaid's tweet from Crossing Broad. Without Notre Dame football this weekend, Cowboy fans will have to watch the Yankees and the Lakers. That's great. <laughs> I love that. You know, Schweimer brought it up over the weekend on the, the locker room, you know, Notre Dame football, yeah, you know, just because it's He's a Notre Damer? football. What's that? He's a Notre Damer? Well, he just loves the, you know, it's Notre Dame football. That's the tradition, college football. the passion. I never took Schwimmer for a Notre Damer. Oh, yeah. Really? Really? He's all about the tradition. Like, you know, he's all, yes, the tradition. He's all about it. I've never heard him mention Notre Dame. This is news Ask to me. about it. Really? He's a Notre Dame fan? Like, he's into it? No, no. I don't think he's so much like a fan of it. He just likes watching them because, I mean, I guess I'm the same. I like watching Yankees and Red Sox baseball because, to me, you know, that's an iconic logo. I know you're anti-AL and all that, but I watch their broadcast on MLB TV and MLB, um, you know, the network because, to me, that's baseball. I love it with the, the stadium and all that stuff. Fenway, not so much this year, but when there's fans in there. Schweinbull wax poetically for a long time about the history of Notre Dame and how it's great for college football and from Newt Rockney to Rudy to Lou Holtz and he'll start naming all kinds of names just because he can. Not only Notre Dame, but Collingswood football too. I'm a big Rudy uh, movie fan. Who was really? Who was producing the de show the day that Rudy Rudiger was on? Oh, that was me. Yeah. Did you wake him up or something? You didn't like that? Maybe we can get him on again. I mean, I like the movie Rudy. Do you still? Yeah. Okay. Not a I Notre, haven't seen it in a while. Not a Notre Damesman, but I like the movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. I did not know the Schwein was a Notre Dame guy. Hmm. Interesting. It's all about tradition, Mike. Uh, Sports Bats brought to you by Matt Blatt Kia. They want to get you approved today. Matt Blatt, 6211 Black Horse Pike, Egg Harbor Township. Um, okay, somebody tweeted at me that Clintac sets the lineup. To which I respond, fine. Then Clintech, uh, Girardi needs to tell Clintech to beat it. Like this guy, he actually responded. Is this a buddy of yours? Um, I, He says, yes. Okay. I said, fine. Then it's time for Girardi to tell Clintech to take his lineup and stick it where the sun doesn't shine. And he said, that's not how it works. Clintech is above Joe, and that's on John Middleton. Guess what? If Girardi... 
doesn't like the lineup at this stage of the season and he has any self-pride, he tells Clintac, I don't agree with your lineup. I'm writing my own lineup. And if you don't like it, you could tell your boss and then have him deal with me. But that's not how it works, and you know that. You're telling me that these guys, you, Joe Girardi, you've won a World Series, you've been the manager of the year, and he's afraid of Matt Clintac and what he might do to him? I think he just respects the organization and how they're running it right now. Not, not, at, the, not, not at this stage of the season. You, in July, August, you say, okay, I gave you your chance. I listened to your lineup, fine. It's the final week of the season. This is the playoff run, and you're putting Mickey Moniak in my lineup today? No, sorry. Go tell Middleton. And, and if Middleton has a problem with it, fine. Then we got a big problem. Then but we have a big problem. you know that's not going to – you know, like you know that's not how this actually would go down. I think it is how it might go down. Where? Where is this going down at? I think that the that the that the manager is going to go up to the GM and yeah. say screw you. Oh, I I don't I don't find that to be outrageous at all. That like you don't think there's some internal strife sometimes that I don't want to I don't want to play these guys you're making me play. I'm losing games because of the lineup you're giving me. But Joe has been around the new era of analytical baseball, so this isn't new to him. He was doing the same thing with the Yankees. Wasn't he got the whole the card. point of Girardi was that there was going to be a mix and that he wasn't going to get the lineup card? Was that actually confirmed, or was that what we could uh, we just no, assume? No, I think that was kind of like the, the, the anticipation that we were going to use a little bit more mix of, of... I thought we hoped that. I think it was all hope. And then once he was put into place and we saw similar things go down, we realized, all right, we probably hoped that we well, were right. I know this. If I was the manager and he gave me Moniac, I'd say, sorry, I'm not playing Moniac today. I don't care what you do to me. What are you going to do? I fire hope you're the next, fire I hope me? You're the next manager. Is he gonna, is, is, I, Clintac, what are you going to fire me, Clintac? Seriously. I can understand if, if uh, there was some Hall of Fame GM, that's a different story. I got Matt Clintac as my GM telling me who to play. Get the hell out of here. Sports Pass 97.3. This is the radio home for Philadelphia Eagles football. This Sunday, the Eagles host the Cincinnati Bengals at the link. Coverage begins at 10 a.m. with the locker room. Merrill and Mike call all the action starting at 1 p.m. Goes to Sanders up the middle. Touchdown, Miles Sanders. I love the hesitation and then the first. This is where the Eagles play. 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's Eagles station. September is showtime at BetMGM Sports, and new customers have a chance to win $100 in free bets when they place a $1 bet on the Lakers versus Nuggets game and if either team hits a three, you win. And use bonus code MikeGill. All you have to do is sign up and make your first wager to take advantage of this offer. There's never been a month like this in sports history, and there's never been a better time to sign up at BetMGM Sports, the king of sportsbooks. Turn big plays into paydays with parlay bonus payouts, boosted odds specials, daily promotions, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code MikeGill to win $100 in free bets. When you wager $1 on the Lakers versus Nuggets game and if either team hits a three, you win. Must be 21 years or older. Must be in New Jersey. Restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for full list of terms and conditions. The Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Sports Pass is brought to you by Dorothy Gale. It's no place like your home, and if you have a leak or a uh, new roof or need a new roof, call Dorothy Gale Roofing, 877-97-KEVIN, or visit them online at DorothyGale.com. 
Gillsmith.com. A couple uh, text messages uh, coming in. Now, he's, this text message says, Gill's a million percent right about Girardi being able to put his foot down. He's the manager since when did the GM set the lineup? Though that's the problem. The GMs do set the lineups in a lot of organizations now. Like, that is very common. I would say every organization, to be honest with you. I don't know if it's every organization, but it's much more common than it used to be, where the GM now sits down, they have their analytical team, they go through the lefty-lefties, the righty-righties, who's got better matchups against this particular pitcher, and they write the lineup up for the manager. I I feel every team in baseball, though, is heavy, 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 heavy analytics at this point. It could be. I don't know enough about what, like, Cincinnati's doing or Pittsburgh or Kansas City or you know, uh, Milwaukee. I mean, but yeah, I, I would say a to, to, to the point, he's saying I'm right about the manager putting his foot down. I think in this situation, you can tell your GM, look, I got your lineup. I'm not playing Moniac. I'm sorry. I'm not. I doing don't think it. it goes down that way, though. I, I'm sure, like, I would feel like if you want to lay this out in a serious, in like an actual conversation, not too much like, hey, I'm going to shove it up here. You know what? If Joe Girardi was very unhappy with Mickey Moniac, I would like for him to go up to, to, the front office members and Matt Clantag be like, hey, look, like we need to win games. We need to go down this road and have more of a legit conversation other than the like, screw you and shove it up because I'm not doing it. Right. You know? I mean, I'm sure he doesn't have to be so <laughs> confrontational about it, but at this stage right. of the season, there's no question. He Joe Girardi has enough clout to say, I'm not playing Moniac. Here's my idea. I'm I'm just I'm taking Moniac out. I'm gonna catch the kid Marshawn. Yeah, but maybe Girardi believes that based off of numbers, Joe Girardi is definitely not against analytics. You see a matchup of a lefty against a righty, he might look at Scott Kingery, who sucks. He uh, he might look at Phil Gosselin, who is a righty right now. Right now. He's a righty going up against a righty who's on the mound right now and go, this, based off of circumstances, this is our best bet. Maybe he does. Right. I mean, if he thinks that Mickey Moniak, then I go right back to, I mean, Joe Girardi. If he didn't stand up for himself enough to say, I'm not playing Girardi, that's my point. You just walked it right back to me blaming Girardi again. Yeah, but you can't. It's not Girardi's fault, though. It's just based off of, this is how baseball is in 2020. You have a lefty batter in Moniak going up against a righty, and that's just how baseball works. This is you just being anti-baseball. No, I gave you another lefty to play. A guy who's not a great hitter either? I mean... Andrew Knapp has been a fine hitter this year. Oh, Andrew Knapp. I thought you meant the catcher. Yeah, Andrew Knapp. He's a catcher. Football at four is next. Wake up weekday mornings from 6 to 10 with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin on 97.3 ESPN. Coming up Wednesday, the Lakers look to get even...